We're here with Ryan Major of Love Strangers, Barbizons, Red Red Invasion, Marty Kings, Beast Toys, amongst other great things. Uh, hey, Ryan, did did I forget anybody? Um, probably, but you know, you, you got a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, got enough of them. Remember from what I've seen, but I'm sure. Oh yeah, the band. Endure band. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, damn it. I have, I did yeah. see that. <laughs> awesome, man. So, uh, what have you been up to? Yeah. Well, uh, this has been the longest, this the longest period of my adult life I've gone without working, and I love it. Oh, man. For, I was like 50, 60 hours for like a year before, uh, before the world fell apart, and then uh, I spent first month being 10 hours and uh since then i've just been writing a lot of music uh cooking a lot of nutritious meals watching a ton of great movies reading books it lost mate uh and um started a podcast shit man i've done a lot i've done a lot of stuff <laughs> absolutely yeah. karaoke Sounds like it. Um, yeah, no. So the the yeah. is that the rock and roll yes, film. Rock and roll film. Um, so we, we're just doing it on a bi-weekly basis for the summer, but um, when it's fall, we're gonna get back going week to week. Uh, each week, uh, Kathy Snacks, fellow musician, and I, we will uh, watch a biopic about a musician, and then we will have a conversation about it with another musician and uh you know just kind of um shoot shit talk about themes visual stuff we like weird uh copyright problems um things that seem really cliched uh stunt casting substance abuse uh you know they're they're all kind of the same so it's fun to watch a lot of them and everybody always brings something a little different to the conversation. So it's been super fun. I never thought I'd be a podcaster, but uh, then I stopped <laughs> having a job. And <laughs> all bets yeah. are off. Yeah, I saw the Doors one, or I listened to the Doors one. Oh, boy. Yeah, I hadn't seen that movie in, in years. And I don't know, I, 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 I'm going to have to rewatch it, but I almost don't want to rewatch it now. Oh, it's like, it's really bad, but it's also like slick and watchable and inadvertently hilarious. I mean, the point where Jim Morrison locks Meg Ryan into a closet, dust and lighter fluid sets on fire and yells, give me death, baby. And this is our hero in the movie. I don't know. Something was seriously off at that point. Yeah, it's it's so weird. I saw it when I was fourteen, and I remember loving it. But then I saw it in college, and I remember like not liking it as much. But I I still like uh, it. Didn't like I don't know. I, I don't remember it being like so ridiculous. But then you know, you guys going over it uh, and like going through a lot of it, I'm like, oh yeah, I do remember that. Oh yeah, that was fucked up. It's like, pretty over the top. It really yeah, is. But the funny thing is, I came away with it like remembering that i do kind of like the music by the doors yeah like i think morrison sucks but like yeah the doors are actually a pretty cool band i think yeah i was gonna ask yeah i was like yeah are you a door fan 
I was, then I wasn't, because I forgot. Yeah. Now, yes, I'm a Doors fan, not a fan of the movie. The ah, Doors, fair, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, it's weird. I, 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 they're a band, and again, not really Morrison as, as a person as much, uh, or whatever, you know, but I, I find myself defending them a lot. I feel like there's a lot of, like, Doors hate. I wonder if it's because of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's actually probably been more harmful for the legacy of that band than good. Because it's just it's like such a product of like early like early nineties cinema excess. There's yeah. no reason that needs to be in two VHS tapes. Yes. It's like five scenes of Jim Morris just walking around hallucinating Native Americans who aren't even yeah. people, just plot devices. Yeah, no, it's, I I feel like in, when I was listening to the review y'all did that, it just made me think about there's a lot of biopics that's come out more recently that I don't really have a tremendous desire to check out. And I think it could be because of that, that sort of like rock star cliche. Yeah, like I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody or Rocket Man yeah. or anything. I feel like eventually I'm going to have to for the <laughs> podcast, but True. I have a pretty good idea of what they're going to be like. Yeah. It's it just, um, yeah, I mean, actually, you got a podcast that's so like a, a little bit different. You have a, a theme going. I feel like the older ones, especially like The Doors, where you might have like a, a nostalgic, you know, or like a, a retake of watching it later. But um, I, yeah, I get kind of. A little bit sick of just the like I said the the rock star like you know it, you know falling under you know the spell of drugs and whatever all this other stuff and fame and I just feel like they they could do a a biopic and do it in a different way even if you're dealing with someone who has demons. I know it's it, it's uh, funny that like that they're still continuing to make that rock yeah. came out because that really should have been. The name, the cover, the prestige uh, music biopic drama, but you know, uh, Hollywood is averse to change. I think. Yeah, it's like they had. Um, this wasn't a biopic, but they had a documentary on on Jay Re Jay Retard uh, a few years back, and like, you know, they kind of they 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 had that in the documentary, his like demons and stuff like that. But I kind of what I liked about it. Um, it, it wasn't perfect, but what I liked about it is that it seemed to be more about this man, you know, climbing himself out of, yeah, out of poverty and really making himself in a, you know, uh, his community and bring it to a, not like he wasn't super famous, but brought it to a level that where he was able to make a living off his music after years of struggling, you know, and, but I feel like that, that doesn't sell as well as, yeah, the guy died of drugs, you know, or whatever tragedy kind of story. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, so <laughs> the, the one we just watched was Sid and Nancy, and right. yeah, that yeah. didn't, like, I mean, that's just inherently ghoulish. Like, it, that didn't end in, like, murder and tragedy if they just, like, cleaned up their acts and, like, you know, separately went on to, like, sell insurance in New Jersey yeah. or whatever. Um, well, I mean, it would be a terrible movie, but also <laughs> a better world, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I still haven't seen that movie. Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of good, actually. I hadn't since I was in high school, but um, like visually, it's really well shot. 
Uh, there's just some things that are really annoying, like um, like the guy who plays John Lydon looks and sounds nothing like him and is like six <laughs> years too old. And also the actress who plays Nancy, she's like Chloe Webb. She's really good. She does a really great performance of somebody who's just like really, really annoying to be around. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's depressing, but pretty solid flick, pretty good movie. Yeah. I know, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so, like any, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah Glenn, actually, I don't know if I ever showed you the doors, but when we were younger, uh, Glenn and I first started hanging out, I showed him like every movie I owned, and I, I definitely had the doors back then, so I, I may have actually showed it to you. It vaguely sounds familiar, but. It, it should have <laughs> stuck with you, really. No. <laughs> I think you didn't see it. Yeah, true. Probably, yeah. Um, probably, I think yeah. you know. <laughs> I, I fell asleep. No, I didn't fall asleep. No, what, hap what happened was we used to get into, we never used to really be able to finish movies because we would just talk about them after the first five minutes. I don't know if you've ever met anyone like that, but we would just go on like tyrant uh, long conversations. This is true. <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm doing now, but recording it and dropping it on the internet <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I mean, like who, who would have thunk though that you have long conversation, recording long conversations would go somewhere for, for, for everyone and the, the podcast is, thriving at a time like this yeah yeah seriously um mr major I'm sorry, go on. not to but i'm i'm particularly curious so for those out here who are listening to this we have on our hands someone who's been around for quite a bit and you're still kicking which is amazing but when did it all start? And if it started prior to your, well, I don't even know. When you moved to Boston and got involved in playing, did you play before then? Let's, hey, maybe let's go from there if you're comfortable with that. If you're not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we can go all the way back if we want here. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's set the scene here. <laughs> it's... Uh, the early 2000s, um, North Andover, Massachusetts. Um, I was a sophomore or so in high school, and I had a Ramones t-shirt. I was into punk. Um, I had gotten into Green Day, and from Green Day I had gotten into like Lookout Records type pop punk, which eventually led me back to the Ramones, which became my favorite band, still is to this day. There was an one-year-old or his dude Andy Collision he kind of looked like 1950s like cartoon hoodlum kind of like stalked around he had like uh, Chuck Taylors and a leather jacket and uh, uh, one day I was wearing my Ramones shirt he's like that's a bad shirt and he meant bad like cool but I didn't know because I was a kid um, <laughs> but eventually we got to talk and we started a band called the uh, the Jet Boys and it was supposed to be kind of like a yeah, somewhere between like 1950s, like rockabilly and rock and roll, and like 1970s New York punk, and uh, we'd like cover the Heartbreakers and Gene Vincent stuff like that. 
and uh, we had a couple gigs, and we had a demo that was uh, reported by uh, my friend Adam Langelotti, who uh, grew up on the same street, and um, I'm still friends with him. He's still a musician. He's down in Philly now. Um, and then Andy went to college, and when I was a senior in high school, I joined a punk band that had already been going for several years at that point called Red Invasion. Um, and uh, I was in that band from the time I was 17 till mid-20s. Um, and that's, I, I moved to Boston when I was playing that band. That's when I first started playing a lot of shows, uh, uh, touring a little, recording. And uh, it's like a blur now when I look back at it, partially because we were, we didn't know anything about anything. And also we're just drinking insane amounts of beer all the time. Um, and that was really fun until it wasn't. And then one day we just kind of got notified. It was like by email, like the band's done. I like, we went through some lineup changes before that, but I went years without talking to any of those guys. And then in like fall 2017 or 18 or something, out of the blue, uh, uh, singer, my friend Joe Spallone, he uh, hit us all up. And like a year after that, we ended up doing two shows. And I thought it was going to be like, okay, but it was actually like really fun and cathartic and uh, felt cool to play those songs again. And uh, uh, I'm sorry, Glenn, you asked where, where did it all start? So, that was a good that that was a good history, yeah. Okay. All right, that's no, that was can, uh that was a couple bands yeah. I was in. There's, oh, there's well, two. so why don't I go back just a little bit to the to the Jet Boys? So yeah. you were in uh, you were a sophomore in high school when you did that, Dan. Yep, sophomore and junior. Nice. So, was so and this was yeah. with other kids, other kids at at uh in, in North Andover. Yeah. I, um, no, no, so there was, uh, so it was my friend Andy, who was a year older on bass, uh, eventually my friend Tom, who did, he did go to high school, same class as me, but he was a dropout, and, uh, this, like, rockabilly dude, JB, from, like, Manchester, New Hampshire, and, uh, yeah, so. Well, it's interesting to, it was regional. Yeah, yeah. Regional. Because we we spoke with Jim Leonard and he informed us of the vast DIY underground that existed on the North Shore, which sort of blew our mind. That was maybe in the early 2000s. Um, oh my God, yeah. There were shows all the time at like VFWs, all ages, clubs, sad cafe. It's yeah. nuts to think about. Like, I think back of how easy it was to book a show, like, particularly, like, a crazy, rowdy show with tons of underage kids drinking at, like, official building. It's a cake. It's wow, crazy. Wow. And so, you were, you said you guys had, did, you had a few gigs and everything, so were those just on the North Shore, or did you also play in Boston? North Shore well? and, uh, we played it in Waltham one time, but we played in like 
Lawrence, Haverhill, Derry, New Hampshire, uh, uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. Probably like really six, seven gigs altogether with the Jeff Boys. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were in high school, didn't know how to make any connections. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Still, that sounds pretty solid too for, like you said, high school and, I mean, covered a lot of different towns, covered a lot of bases, got out of town, out of state gig too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we weren't that good, but like when I talked to other people about their high school events, it sounds like mine was probably kind of cooler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't, like I don't say it to be a dick. I just mean like, it's like, no, no, you can say it. It wasn't emo or pop Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. There were so many like, uh, like, I wouldn't say so many ska bands, but there's ska bands that were in high school with a lot of emo stuff and yeah. screamo stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it, there was other stuff too, but that was kind of like at that point, that was what was really big at the time. Uh, I, I'm, I'm lucky. I had really, like, really kind of found the lane that I stayed in for yeah. a few years, like pretty early on. Um, yeah, definitely. Like, I started in the same spot everybody else did for like three days. Sure. But, um, I, it just happened that, like, the particular line I followed took me, like, a really good spot. So, I feel yeah, thankful absolutely. for that. Were you self-taught? How did you start? Was guitar your first instrument? Uh, yeah, gu guitar was. I had, um, I had a few lessons, but I didn't really take. Um, so, mostly, yeah, I learned by uh, playing along to punk records. And... Uh, like uh since then I've, I've taken a few lessons here and there just one-offs because it you know there's always more to learn and i'm always trying to you know hone the skills uh, but what was good about starting with punk music is that it's easy to play and it doesn't really matter if you're bad so that really you know opened the door for me yeah, definitely. Um, I was gonna say, so me, um, we joined Red Invasion, so that must have been more like two thousand three. Two thousand three, so. yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's a, a fair amount of time ago. Um, and you were as we were playing in in Boston, right? So um, I guess I'm. Sorry, what was that? Uh, yeah, first gig with Red Invasion was November 2003 at the Middle East. Wow, damn. Uh, wow. I was going to ask, because um, that was like way before, we didn't start going to like shows. I mean, we went to like some of like the big shows that would be at Middle East or something, like like a No Age or something, or like Black Lips, but we didn't really start to go to local shows till like 2011. So like, I'm kind of curious what those years of, like the the that the prior decade of the 2000s just playing going to shows like um what kind of i guess what places did you play at and uh i'm also just kind of curious with some of the some of the other bands that you played with uh uh That's a loaded question i can tell you we played a lot um Middle East Upstairs, mm. TT's All Asia Cafe, uh, 
Bloodstains over Somerville. Uh, where else did we we'd go up to Vermont? We, honest to God, I can't fucking remember half the goddamn band. <laughs> like part of part of that period in my life. I mean, yes, I was I was drinking a lot, but also um, there was a few years where. I was on a couple of different antidepressants uh, without finding the right one, the one that I'm on now. And uh, I look back and shit's just kind of a fucking blur sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And also too, it's like you said, you're playing a ton of shows too. They're, they're, they're bound to like blur together too. I mean, it's hard to remember. Yeah, and everybody remembers different details. And it's like, no, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, you know. That's why when people yeah. write books about rock and roll in their early days and any days of their career, how do they even do that? I could never. I would just, it would well, be all fiction. Boop, 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 boop. Well, you know, some people really good records of when things happen. You guys know Eric Law? Yeah. He's always oh, yeah. like, oh, list of bands I saw in 1983. <laughs> yeah. He just posted some Red Invasion pictures, I'm sure you saw, but, um, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah, some people, yeah, yeah. yeah, somebody I know in a long time. Yeah, he, uh, well, that's the thing, actually, is that I think, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine with a lot of those, like, recollections of those books, just a lot, uh, hopefully, a lot of research is done, and and, uh, you know, because I've done, I've like even seen stuff online and it's gotten obviously easier at the internet where people are like, oh, what year was this show? And I do like some like really odd like search and I find like a flyer and it's like, says like March something 2003 and I'm like, here's who you played with or whatever. So, I mean, I think there's probably like a lot of research done where they start to ask, the, they give them stuff, you know, it's like anything in life where you don't yeah. necessarily remember thing. But then someone's like, oh, and then Moto played the show. That's right. I remember Moto did that. You know, and it comes back to you. You know, you wouldn't necessarily remember it. It's easy. Yeah, it's easier now. There's a uh, paper trail yeah. for shit that isn't really important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's true. Right. So I'm also curious now like I, so I get the definitely to this day. I I, I definitely see the like uh, the punk, seventies punk influence in your music. Uh, of course, Heartbreakers, Ramones. Um, around that time of the two thousand, were you listening to a lot of the like garage punk stuff uh, as well? Let's see, I know I know I was listening to, like. Carbona's a lot, J Retard, uh, like J Retard type bands. But I was also listening, uh, I was listening to a lot of like power pop and stuff. Um, I know we talked about Gentleman sure, Jesse, yeah. uh, Electric Definitely. Shadows. Um, you ever catch them? They were a cool band. No, I actually uh, I don't know. Stalkers from New York. That was a great band. Um, a lot of this stuff is on spotify now here i'm gonna i'll find some things yeah your way you should definitely check out her stalkers record it's just like very cool mid-2000s like like garage new york punk and roll yeah it still sounds like hanging on stoops to me <laughs> yeah that's why i was 
wanted to ask you about bands just because it it's like you know obviously if a band doesn't get you know to a certain level of uh exposure then they just kind of you know fall into the the ocean of bands on the internet at, at or they're totally forgotten and, and like i found just doing like a lot of research and just looking up stuff online and going through compilations and stuff you just discover some of the best stuff that's out there that you just wouldn't have otherwise known and like like there's this band tutu the and the pirates i don't know if you ever heard of them that's a really good but uh oh. they, yeah they're not really that well known uh they played they're from chicago and they were like considered i don't know if they actually were or not but they were considered like the first chicago punk band in like 77 and then they broke up 79 and uh someone made a documentary about the chicago punk scene in the 70s 80s called you weren't there and that came out i think in like 07 and uh it's like uh they were on chicago i don't know if you know that show. Yeah, yeah um yeah, and he, he, he was saying the interview, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, someone made a documentary, and now suddenly we're cool again, or something like that. And, uh, you know, it's still, like, a, it's still pretty obscure, but it, but it just kind of goes to show you, it's like, if, if so if, like, there isn't that sort of other level of exposure, a lot of the cool stuff just go by the wayside. So I'm always curious to hear, like, you know, cool bands or anything, like, you've heard or, or came across whatever yeah yeah i'll, I'll definitely I'll, I'll pull up some good mid-2000s garage yeah. kind of stuff Sunshine, that was a cool band good name Hell yeah. like that, Patrick frankenstein or something <laughs> yeah that one sounds more familiar to me um yeah and like so I'll def, I'll, i've been i've been making some some playlists and stuff i might have to jump on to spotify i still haven't been on yet but uh, uh, I don't know. Good why. for you. Good for you. <laughs> I'll I'll make a YouTube playlist. How about you? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I do the YouTube because it's like you know I'm on YouTube anyway, so I've been making YouTube playlists forever. Just the ads always suck though, but getting in the way. But I still like the I like search on YouTube because I can make my own searches and then kind of go from there and um you know i try cool not if there to was get a... too caught up in like the algorithms or whatever you know just try to constantly yeah. do new searches yeah 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 uh, I, I always have auto play off on everything because i don't want computers telling me what i should be listening to. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah freaks me out man <laughs> yeah yeah no I'm, I'm with you on that um so i'm curious uh so when was that when you were saying like Red Invasion just kind of wrapped it up but uh, broke up at some point? Like, what, uh, what you probably that was probably around 2008 or so. Um, sometime toward so uh, when I was Invasion, I was also um, there were two other bands I was in at that point uh, that started around sometime after that. There was um. I was in a punk band called Chainsaw Disasters, and I mean the name doesn't really what it sounded like. It was kind of like seas punk yeah. with like a lot of riffs and kind of like uh, dual vocals. I sang in that, and my friend Ian also sang in that band. And uh, he's in um, Loretta, who I think oh, you guys yeah. have seen. Um, yeah, I've seen yeah, and then I was also in a power pop band called Give Me the Buzz Kills, and my friend Abby was singing in um and playing bass in that band was 
my friend Andy, who was in one lot. He was in uh, Red Invasion for a while on bass, and then he was in bass and Buzz Kills. He played bass at one Barbizon's show, but um, after that, the last I had heard, he was AWOL from the Navy or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did see Red Invasion uh, at O'Brien's. Yes. Little over yeah, that was, that was a fun that was, time. Yeah, that was a fun show. Uh, so then, I guess now coming off of Red Invasion, and then there was like 2010 when you started um, the Barbizons. Yeah, yeah, right, right about then. Yeah. Um, let's see. So. The way that a lot of bands that I've met kind of started is like I agree to a show, then realize I don't have a band. Um, so I ran into uh, my old roommate Mike, who uh, still performed in Boston under the name Rooftops, uh, and he said he was playing a solo show at the Plow and Stars. Um, this is like fall 2010, and uh, said. He asked if I had a project going, if I wanted to open. Um, at the time, you know, I was always like hustling things. So I was just like, yeah, no problem. So uh, I called my friend Mel, who we had been talking about playing music for a little while. And I had written like two, three songs at that point. And then she had like one or two and we did some covers. And uh, she was dating this great dude, Peaches. Um, and we ended up having him play drums and we met a bass player at the silhouette and recruited her. Oh, you know, so I, we did like actually one one off show. Now that I think about it at a DIY space in Alston where it was just Mel and I. Oh. And uh, we just did a couple songs. And then uh, the Plum and Stars, that was the first real show with the rhythm section. And uh, uh, that was... I mean, we were off and running at that point. There were just like show opportunities all the time for a bit there. And we were having the time of our lives. Yeah. Here to go. Uh, definitely, before I, it's, we had seen you, I had seen the name in listings a bunch of times. I saw you for Hunks and Hunks and the Clems. Fortunately, missed that show. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was, that, that was starting to get in now. Our territory of uh, like our, the era of us going up to local shows, and definitely, um, as you as you know, big part of uh, got us into the local scene. Yeah, so sure. circa 2011 or 12, uh, I think it must have been 2012 or yes. 16 or something. Um, Peaches is reading the uh, no, I'm reading the Boston Hassle, and there is a name for blog kids like you and me. And I pointed to it, and I said, Peaches, you should eat. And I don't know if he did. <laughs> yeah. Glad the, the If I See Him Again record? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think uh, Glenn had you, you. I have it as well, but I think like the one that uh went in for the i think for a review i think there was a note right yeah yeah i remember okay. bringing a bunch of those to the post office yes yeah uh, i love cool. that that was I have... quite amazing 
Oh, shit. Look at that. Yeah. What? Is that an original? Uh, yeah, I've actually, the I've for almost all of them, the, the cool. artwork. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I gave them. <laughs> yeah. They're in so. good hands. Good, good, good. Do you remember when you first met us? Uh, it, uh, I feel like maybe it was... No, no, I, I can't recall the exact specific occasion I first met you guys. No. Uh, we first met, it was October 6, 2012. It was a show at the Big Stink. And it was, uh, you weren't playing that night, but we saw you a week later. But it was New Highway Himmel, Creatures, Lemurs from Montreal. Right. Uh, the Migs and Nice Guys. And it was the first time we ever saw Nice Guys. Yeah. Wow. Don't know shows like that anymore, do we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, and then the, we saw you guys a week later. The Halloween show you did, the Nancy and uh, Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood set. That was a very special occasion for me. Yes. <laughs> you know, actually, I just saw I just saw Joe Packard a minute ago, who played bass oh. at that show. Uh, somebody. <laughs> Somebody left this acoustic bass in my possession, a former roommate, and I just sold it to him. You wow. sold it to Joe? Yeah. Packard. I hadn't seen him in a while. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, I haven't seen Joe in a while either. Um, yeah, so it, you guys went on tour. Uh, you did a tour of the West Coast in, that was 2000, or 2011, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 11 or 12. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was and that that was the one in the big, like, uh, what was it again? I remember seeing it. Yeah, it was a Vietnam oh, era, it, it was yeah. a personnel carrier truck, uh, converted to run on vegetable oil, topped out at like 55 miles per hour. <laughs> so loud, so hot. <laughs> What was the impetus behind that? How did that come about? Well, uh, this dude, Ryan Reilly from the Rotten Apples, um, who Mel was living with at the time and we toured with, uh, he just fucking owned one. I don't know why. He owned <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> Went through Damn, a lot. Damn. Yeah. So, yeah, it was actually just the other day. It was yesterday. Um, I was listening to the, the first few, first few albums on Bandcamp, the ones with three songs. I still love my favorite is the Catholic Riff Raff and Alston Amazon. But that line of thought it was a hangover. It's my heart. It was great because I was like really excited listening to it in the morning before work. But and I was like feeling hungover. But you know I have that you know that feeling where you're like still drunk though. You know, I mean, you feel yeah. out of it. But then, like, a couple hours later, it's like, ah, oh, no. It's just, <laughs> I don't feel like holding my head up. That, that was definitely the, the vibe that, that we were aiming for on that song. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of great uh, substance-related tunes there, like Water, Tea, and Alcohol. And, um, yeah. So, I, I've been doing, um, yeah. I've been doing occasional live streams um, since... Uh, the quarantine started, and uh, I've been doing a couple of Barbizon songs here and there. Yes. That's good. 
dipping into the back catalog. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, yeah, I mean, he always he had two whiskeys and love strangers. Yeah, yeah, we, we kept doing that one, that one for a while. Uh, yeah, I did that with the the old love strangers. I'm not yeah. sure. I taught it to the new love strangers. Cool. Right. Probably won't get the chance to. <laughs> um, yeah, so you mentioned before, uh, was it Bloodstains over Somerville? I thought it was Bloodstains across Somerville, but it, I'm not really sure. I never went to the place, though, but that must have been also like mid-2000s, like a house, house spot, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, not even fucking really tea accessible, like pretty deep into Somerville, if I recall. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so um, you going to a lot of house shows back then? Yeah, I mean, that they happened all the time. It was easy. It'd be like a Tuesday, yeah. it'd be like, house show, you want to go? I'd be like, sure. It's, you know. Yeah, it seemed that way. Pack and PBR, pay five bucks. <laughs> yeah. Were you a reader yeah, of the Boston Compass? I feel like. Well, the what Compass. About the, Compass? Wasn't, the Compass wasn't around back then, though, right? In like mid. It wasn't until later. Compass uh, started running probably about 2010. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like message yeah, boards, space pages. <laughs> yeah. Right. Fleming Trail. Did you ever go? Yeah, did you ever go on a terminal boredom? Maybe. It's worth checking out. <laughs> well, it, yeah. well, it's it's like uh, it wasn't just like exclusive to Boston or anything. It was like an international kind of uh, like message board. They also did a review. Uh, I don't. They might still be around. Glenn would know better than me. But but uh, yeah. I mean, there there were like message boards. A lot of the garage punk kind of stuff. Um, they would do reviews and stuff like that. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, I remember the name. Uh, yeah, but you know, I don't, I don't remember website from 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, damn, yeah. Well, they still, I think they might still be around, but yeah, but um, yeah, no, uh, I was gonna say, um, I have on my list of things I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, since we're talking, I keep bringing up the garage thing. With, uh, I know, obviously, I would, you know, I'd see you at a lot of, like, King Con, King Con barbecue show, oh, yeah. uh, show, if you will, Mark Sultan or, or the Black Lips or, or obviously stuff that we're big into, hunks and his punts, et cetera. Um, we're talking about this a lot, Glenn and I. Uh, I don't know, what are your thoughts on, like, the whole kind of garage explosion, if you will, that kind of, like, with, like, you know, Vice Dion coming in and especially I don't know if you have if you were more acquainted with that stuff a little bit before that like before the and uh so to speak I don't know if you had any I think I had kind of personally moved on around the time that like Scion and Adult Swim got involved sure yeah yeah uh I mean I it was actually I think I think it was thrilling there were tons of records coming out yeah like in a row that were really good and still sound really good to me. And I also think back 
back and like, wow, it's insane that you were able to have a band living in San Francisco. That seems impossible now. But um, it's yeah. like some of my favorite records from around then. I, I don't necessarily listen to a lot, but I think of a lot. Um, that Sick Alps record, uh, Play a Strange by Fresh and Onlys, um, I, uh, Melted, obviously. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh, I don't happen to be also this, like, expert. I mean, anything cool is going to be attempt, at least some at least attempt to co-opt it and use it for yeah. advertising. So, and more now more, more so than ever. So, did you ever feel that was there any was there any outside interest on a larger scale back in the Barbizon days when you were playing I mean obviously you guys played so many shows with that were really cool that people would dream to be on so to speak um, you know not, not like as far as uh, out, I Interest in Barbizon's peaked at some point. Uh, uh, I don't know, maybe around like 2014 or 15 or so. But um, like, we we never really had much of a national profile. Eventually, the biggest thing was uh, Vice forked over a thousand bucks total, used two songs for um, a program on their television channel. And like, I mean, that was cool. That was like, you know, we each 200 bucks and the people heard the song, but like Vice is like owned by a a like inter-global media conglomerate. They have way more than a thousand dollars to spend. (laughs) You know, it's, it's being an exposure. Yeah. So kind of hard not to be at least a little bit cynical about that. Yeah, totally. But, you know, he had, like, when it was fun, it was super fun. Like, we played big local shows, and, you know, it's just, we like, we had a huge crew. People would come out, and uh, it was it was cool, you know? Yeah, there seemed to be a, a, some com- camaraderie, more camaraderie than I believe nowadays amongst the people in bands and in the fans too, I think we're just, everyone was there. Not, I don't want to put it in any idealistic terms, but for a lot of the time people were there. It seemed. People did show up for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> I, I think about it a lot now and I, I don't really have a, uh, all the reasons but um i think it was just one of those things where in boston for a couple for a couple years there particularly in the summertime oh yeah just some moments there were some great bands and there were some people who were you know there was there was a great audience and there were great bands and uh there were i guess technically enough venues and uh I like I I wonder if prior to COVID there is a comparable group of a comparable number of people who felt like Boston was having a moment. Some type 
music, or not even music, could be some yeah. type of art, if it felt like their scene was at a peak. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, actually. I, I know Gwen and I have talked about this before, try to figure it so it's not like you can figure it in an exact way, but it, it does feel like kind of what we're saying, like a few years ago, it was more of our kind of crowd, you know, that were, you know, there's still a number of people still going to shows and playing shows, but it seemed like it was there was more of a, you know, unity in a way that I feel like dissipated a little bit. And I was just wondering, is it, yeah, is it, is it all, you know, has it all been really dissipated or is it just that there's another, you know, other scenes have cropped up more and other groups and kinds of music perhaps even yeah, I, I, I think it's like, a, it's either a perspective or a generational thing. I think that, you know, we had that moment and it was cool, but maybe it's just not, you know, that time anymore. I like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties. I'm super at touch. Like, you know, I, it's yeah. rock and roll music seems incredible quaint and uh like that, yeah. anachronistic now that yeah it's interesting that's, that's kind of my favorite for better or worse yeah sure and a lot of it i think is you know i think i think i would say for better and yeah absolutely i agree that there's uh you know a point to that and there's um you know a lot of crappy rock and roll music for sure that uh, out there, but you know, at the time, I, I don't know, it's weird because, yeah, some people have explained it to me. They're like, well, it's like, well, there's uh, someone else's version of whatever, if it's some band that I don't hear necessarily, but it's usually not anyone that's doing something that's like, yeah. And I mean, in some ways, like, for where I'm, for where I am in my like career playing music yeah it's like it's actually it's more comfortable comfortable to be out of step like like with, with love strangers in boston like you know it's not a secret we never really had like a very large audience but that also was okay because it had like the music just wasn't part of any kind of cresting trend that's just kind of like yeah. what I was working on so there was no possibility of like you know boom and bust and then that made it easier just kind of like focus on like here's the kind of song I want to write today as opposed to like okay well we need another rocker so that people will rock you know sure yeah absolutely um so were you already feeling like musically anyway going into that direction before you started love strangers of like the more of like the country kind of uh you know because it's obviously the element like even like this so the song two whiskeys was on the last barbazon yeah the, the pleasure one yeah i mean i i guess i was a little bit i was definitely listening to, to towards the end of the barbazons i was listening to a lot of country adjacent music and um, I don't necessarily yeah. think it's what I was planning on doing, mm -hmm. but um, 
once again, what happened is after the Barbizon split up, I had a chance meeting, ended up accepting a gig that I wasn't necessarily prepared for, and then had to write some songs. And uh, they came out kind of country-leaning, and then uh, that was definitely augmented by the band I put together with uh, Rob, Scott, and Travis, who were all like, you know, they're uh, kind of country gentlemen in their own way. Yeah, and out outlaws as well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, even though it's a little bit of a different style too, it still seems to be like consistent with a lot of your songwriting. It, I, I like to think so, you know. Um, Sounds like. There's a Ryan Major flavor to it. It's... um. It, it, it's a little bit liberating just um, being like the principal person in the project because, uh, you know, um, I can, I don't have to modulate the way I'm going to write a song to keep everybody happy. Um, like luckily for both of, uh, both of the bands I had put together with Love Strangers, everybody was always pretty amenable and like playing the songs as they were. So that was cool. But, uh, you know, who knows if live music's ever going to be a thing again. Plus, I'm moving. So Yeah. Well, that was going to be. Oh. We, we, we ask, like, everybody this, or almost everybody, we've asked, like, when do you think the next show, or the first show, will be? Like, in general, you know, uh, mm -hmm. at least in Boston. So. I think that um, – I bumped into Dan Carswell the other day. He said that I think phase three or four, uh, there's possibility of shows like Charlie's Beer Garden. I'm going to say maybe uh, September, October. But um, yeah. I'm like a fairly optimistic person. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds pretty optimistic. I've heard uh, much later than that from yeah. certain different people. But then you hear people who say even... I'm not an epidemiologist. I haven't been reading the news every day. <laughs> yeah, it's my older brother, uh, one of my older brothers is like, he's not directly working on the vaccine, but his company is. So he's like in touch with a lot of, uh, a lot of information on this. So he's, he's like constantly sending me articles and stuff like that. And I would uh, like that vaccine. Yeah, yeah, no, seriously, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, but he said, but he said something hopeful to me today that, you know, he, they don't know for sure, but, uh, you know, he was thinking originally that they would be having it more like, uh, you know, and like originally they were thinking like it would be, it would take a, a year and a half or so, maybe two years. Now they're like, it's, I don't know for sure, but it's possible we can get it, you know, by the beginning of 2021. So that'd be cool. You know, cool. Um, um, yeah, I'm. It'd be nice yeah. to uh, shake hands indiscriminately. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, also a yeah. big thing is like they said, even before the vaccine, of just finding a better ways to manage the situation and just having like more testing and you know, and uh, even and especially like outdoor kind of things where like an outdoor show or something if it was on a small scale, I think might be feasible. You know, yeah, I, as far as I understand, it's something about recycled air presenting a larger risk than. Right. Oh, this is a science podcast, yeah. also. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Events. I'm sure. Yeah, just for the. Yeah. Just, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't really know much about yeah. this, but, uh, but uh, three scientists discuss the future of the coronavirus. Do you recall the outdoor show in front of the? Yeah. I think he was going to say, do you call the outdoor show? Uh, it was in front of the Middle East. It was like oh, June. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Cambridge River Festival. That's what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. That was super fun. Abadabad covered Neil Young. Um, I was wearing a blue denim shirt. And uh, the night before, we had played on WZBC minus Matt Garlic. And uh, then I was going to go see that band Crocodiles. They were going to play at Great Scott, but they couldn't get into the country because they were coming through the Canadian border and the show was canceled. So we went to the Silhouette and we got really, really drunk. So we were really hung over the next day for the Cambridge River Festival. And I went to Life Alive and I got like an eight dollar juice thing and saved my ass wow yeah yeah that's a life alive yeah yeah damn yeah i remember i believe it was the revive alive was the uh, the juice in question (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah i remember that day it was also uh right after we saw it uh you guys play we it was like a uh, frankie cosmos played at the cambridge elks lodge and it was like packed and horribly sweaty and uh <laughs> it's a sweaty venue yeah and claire control opened and she was like 16 i think it was like one of her first shows or something. i only recently uh, found out that frankie cosmos was kevin klein's daughter <laughs> oh really yeah, yeah. I, I oddly i yeah i heard that like i kind of love ago. kevin klein so <laughs> i'm like all right could be worse could be like dick yeah. cheney's daughter or something. yeah 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 <laughs> That would be pretty random. Uh, Kevin Klein and Phoebe Cates. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm also I'm I'm also Warren Beatty's grandson. So. You? Nah, just me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how uh, he's. Pretty I, I, old, I right? just watched Bullworth like two days ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nineteen ninety-eight movie where uh, a health insurance lobbyist is the villain. Very prescient. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I have any celebrity parents that I'm aware of. <laughs> Me neither. Damn. Not a one. <laughs> yeah. So you, you're writing music now? I'm like right writing. Now. Right now as we're speaking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a couple hours ago. Yeah. yeah. So I, I've written, um, I, I've been writing songs throughout, um, throughout the lockdown and i'm working on a couple i'm doing some remote recording i have a couple tracks that um travis is playing drums on and rob sutherland's gonna put bass tracks on i'm gonna try to you know fill in the other parts um but i'm also uh i'm working on a little like three or four song solo uh solo acoustic plus tambourines kind of thing uh what's gonna be that one's gonna be called escape from rat city nice play outside i play it outside 
Five times. Six oh, wow. times. In that in Barbizons or just in general? Three times and four times in Barbizons. Once with LSD, once with Love Strangers. Right. Oh, Star Lab Fest must have been one of them. Right? Yes. Star Lab Fest was one of them. Cambridge River Festival. One time we had some weird outdoor Converse gig. That was a drag, but paid. Um, and then we played on the beach one time, which. Oh, yeah. Was that, is that very cool? That's uh, that sounds awesome. Is that in on the South Shore? That was in Wellfleet, actually. Okay, never mind. I must yeah. be thinking. And then yeah. uh, we ended up doing that a couple years later too, with um, a weird cobbled together lineup of Love Strangers I had there. And just if you ever if you ever anyone ever asks you like, do you want to play on beach? You say yes. Yeah. No. Looks awesome. Um, did you see uh, Great Scott? They said about uh, they raised enough money that they're going to be reopening. Uh, let's see how that goes. I mean, I yeah. hope, hope, hope that works out. But yeah. just seeing real estate trends and what's happening with the economy right now and what's happening in Boston, I'm not super optimistic, but man, that would be really great because Great Scott closing leaves a pretty fucking significant uh, hole in the venue landscape, wouldn't you say? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah I was. Uh, I'm. I'm not too optimistic about it, but just only because it's uh, you know like, again like the that reasons you pointed out and it's like when could the you know unless they have some sort of different model where they're if they could do something outside i don't know how, exactly what they would do so but i'm i mean you know i'm keeping i'm i'm hoping too yeah. you know i hope the bet I, I just i wouldn't want to get my hopes up because i am yeah. like you're kind of you're saying as well so i mean we'll see i'm i'm impressed though that that if that that's uh the amount of money that's been and everything and um i mean so. yeah it, it's a it's a landmark man sure yeah absolutely i mean you played there yeah a couple a, times a few different years, bands so. yeah yeah um all right let me just message glenn one more time here it's the he's just he's auditing it's just an observer yeah son of a bitch <laughs> Yeah, how many times do you think you played a great Scott? If you had a, if you had a guess, probably not nearly as often as some of my friends, but probably twelve times. Decent twelve, yeah, yeah, with probably five different bands. Yeah, no, I definitely I saw. I mean, I've definitely seen you there in Barbizons and Love, and I think maybe not Love Strangers. I'm not 100 percent sure. We I mean, we never thanks. played there with uh, full band Love Strangers, but right. LSD played there twice. Uh, Barbizons played there probably like three, four times. Uh, Red yeah, Vision okay. played there a couple times, and played there with Beach Toys, Ian Dewar Band. Yeah, probably fucking somebody else. 
Yeah, no, definitely. It's, I mean, I definitely, there's, off the top of my head, I can think of at least like four or five times I saw Barbizons there. Um, Shannon and the Clams. Uh, um, yeah, it's a, like, so do you have any, like, any plugs or any, any shout outs, anything you want to? Um, the world now. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I'd like to say a couple things. Uh, first off, I don't think any of us should be paying rent. Uh, <laughs> I think money is made up, and I think uh, laws are arbitrarily enforced. I think Black Lives Matter. I think fuck the police. Um, I put out a three-song EP in March. It's called No Call, No Show. And um, you can hear that on Bandcamp. And I've got some music coming out soon. Um, sometime this summer, we'll have something out in July or August. And then I'm going to move to Philadelphia. And um, hopefully... I'm going to miss you. Yeah. Hey, there he is. Miss you for that. And then uh, yeah. hopefully I can play music there. Yeah, damn. They, they sh they'll let me, I think. I've got some friends yeah, down there. Yeah, you played there a few times, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they have yeah. a they're the city of brotherly love, right? You know, I actually don't know, but my brother lives there. <laughs> I know. I'm pretty sure, right? No, I, I, think, I, I, I think you're right. I think you're I'm, right. I'm like, Wait, yeah, I'm like uh, LA City of Angels. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, I believe you are correct. I should find that out before I move there. But yes. <laughs> All right. When are you moving oh, well, there, Mr. Ryan? Yeah. Uh, end of the summer, September. Yeah. Well. Damn yeah, it. I was hoping I'd get to do a last fucking show here. I don't believe in like, uh, like, uh, what's what's the word like omens or anything. But uh, sure. I had a sick band. And every single person quit the band. I put together a new band, and then live music was canceled. And then this morning at 4.30, I woke up to this weird hissing sound. I went downstairs, and a black cat had come in my house and was sitting on a windowsill. And I had to chase it away and close the window. And wow. that is a 100% true story. I yeah. believe it. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah, well, we definitely we're gonna miss you, and yeah, I'll be back here and there. Yeah, yeah, totally. You get, but uh, hopefully, maybe we'll see you before your departure. Yes, I hope so. Okay, I would really love to play, even if it's just a solo gig before. Uh... Oh yeah, no, definitely. We yeah. actually, our our friend Brian, drummer man, you probably met him. You yeah, know, yeah, I know Brian. <laughs> yeah. He uh, he has a generator, so. Ah, sounds like can... some social distancing. <laughs> let's let's get it going. Um, yeah. all right. It's been really nice talking to you guys, but I actually have to run. Um, yeah, literally. If 